The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. Kind of all those strange factors that were going into it kind of made me honestly just like relax and just enjoy the the whole process and kind of the oddity of it all. And so. Chris Fosters, thanks for taking some time to chat with me. Uh, this is really cool to, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't done a podcast in about a month, so hopefully I won't be too rusty, but excited to talk with you. That's all, that's all good, man. Don't worry. I, I'll, uh, I'll go easy on you. And it's, it's great to, all kidding aside, it's great to be on your podcast. And I know I've followed you on Twitter for a while, so this is cool. I'm, I'm glad to connect. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because yeah, that's, that's what happened. It was uh, early, I think it was early November, you were doing the Blackhawks-Jets game on TV. I had the game on, and I just happened to be, I haven't been watching a bunch of games this year, but I happened to turn that one on, and I was like, who is that? And then I was like, wait a minute, I know that I recognize that name. And I was like, do I follow him on Twitter? We do follow <laughs> each other. And I was like, that'd be cool to chat with you and kind of learn a bit, a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I'm curious. I'm always curious with my guests, like how it got started. So like, how did it get started for you? And I was looking, I found your website. I was looking through your website. I think it's really cool, by the way. And uh, this is kind of relatable to me, but I saw that you would like growing up announcing scores from the newspaper at the breakfast table, doing like the, the backyard baseball league game, which I remember that game was a great game, but <laughs> I did the same thing. I'm not a broadcaster like you, but I would, you know, what play games growing up and act as if I was a broadcaster. So how did it kind of come together for you? Very organically, kind of in, in a lot of the ways that, that you just mentioned. I mean, it, it started out just as a kid being a huge sports fan and I, I grew up in Wisconsin. So there was a there is a great sports culture in the state between the pro teams and then the University of Wisconsin and, and Marquette and and lots of other teams and organizations. Um, and, and so I don't know, you know, just it, it was always an interest that I had both the sports side of it and then the public speaking or communication side of it as well. So that was another thing that I was really into when I was in in high school and, and middle school growing up was competitive public speaking forensics is, is what we called it. And so I thought sports broadcasting would kind of be a cool blend of, of just two interests of mine that I had growing up. And when I was in high school, I got to be the public address announcer for the JV football team. And I got to fill in on a couple of varsity basketball games. And so going into college, I had an idea that sports broadcasting in, in some case would, or some sense would be something that I'd want to pursue as a career. And I didn't really arrive on, on the play-by-play job specifically until I was in college at the at the University of Wisconsin, working for the student radio station and, and covering campus sporting events. And that's when it kind of hit me, okay, this is something that I think I, I'd really like to do after college. Yeah, that's really awesome to hear. And uh, now you can be seen and heard on all these big time networks like the Bay 10 Network, Fox Sports, the ESPN family, NBC Sports. I believe you were covering the Olympics recently, right? That was an incredible experience. Yes, I, I was not in Tokyo on site, but I, I had the opportunity to go to NBC Sports headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut and live in kind of the Olympic broadcast bubble for three weeks. And that was uh, that was just a, an, an awesome experience and definitely one of the, the highlights of my summer and, and my entire career. I think you probably know Nick Olchek, right? Because I know that he's been doing some things with the Blackhawks and he was a guest of mine 
earlier this past year, he was really cool to talk to. And um, also, I don't know, I don't know if you know him, but uh, Ryan Quigley also was been doing things with NBC Sports and was doing some things with the Olympics. So I think you all were in that same area, maybe that same bubble. But either way, um, it's really cool that you were able to do that. So how did the Olympic assignment, I mean, I guess obviously being part of the network helps, obviously, but like, did you know that the Olympics would be something that you'd be able to do or, and especially not even taking into account like the COVID, all of that stuff? Uh, I mean, I guess like, yeah, what was that journey? What was that experience like being able to even just cover the Olympics? A lot of uncertainty, definitely. And I actually had the opportunity to cover the 2018 PyeongChang Winter Olympics, again, remotely in, in Connecticut. But that was kind of my foot in the door with the NBC Olympics family. And going into 2020, the year that the Olympics were supposed to happen, I was locked in on board and was pretty much just waiting on what my assignment would be. And then the shutdowns started to occur in March. And then for a while, you know, there was still some hope that that the Olympics would still take place. Like even into May, people were still hoping that that the Olympics would be a reality in 2020. And I think it was late May, early June when they were officially postponed until 2021. And then as everyone knows, going into this last summer, there was still a lot of uncertainty up until the moment of the opening ceremony, quite frankly, whether or not the Olympics would actually take place. And so when they got off the ground and just got up and running, there was a sense of relief, but also just a great wave of enthusiasm that, that passed through everybody in the, in the building where I was working anyway. And, and I can only assume the same could be said for the athletes on location. So everyone was just very thankful to have a global sporting event to celebrate and, and watch in, in any capacity. Um, kind of similar to like the maybe the college basketball or the college football season last year when there was nobody in attendance, but it still was just great to see events taking place and have something to cheer for as as fans and spectators. So I think my Olympic experience was very similar to that. Now the sports that I got to call, I, I got to do sport climbing, which is competitive rock climbing, whitewater canoeing or canoe slalom as it's called, and then fencing. So it was really a, a test for me professionally to learn as much as I could about these sports that I didn't have much of a background in going into the Olympics. And so it was a great professional challenge for me, but I felt really good about how everything went and really enjoyed the people that I worked with as well. So it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. What was that like trying to learn, maybe <laughs> learn about sports that you're not super, I mean, I, like I'm not I wouldn't know anything about, like you said, what was it? Uh, was fencing it rock climbing or, or yeah. fencing? Right, yeah. So, like, uh, what was that like? How challenging? I mean, I I would assume if it was me, I feel like, you know, being passionate about sports, I feel like I could learn it. And but still, you're trying to like learn something that a lot of people, or maybe not a lot of people, but there's people out there that would be able to be like, yeah, I know all about this, and you have to, you're like the expert on this subject, right, for like the Olympics, the network, so what was that like? Well, I honestly treated it like a college class, and so the Olympics started the last week of July, and first week in June, I started getting, maybe it was even late May, actually, I started getting some research packets and some manuals that the NBC research team puts together for the announcers, and that was a tremendous help to wrap my mind around the history of these sports, who the major athletes were going into competition, and also who just some of the big names and organizations were sport-wide. 
to give me a foundational level of of the sport. And, and these research packets discuss the rules as well, which is very important. And around that same time, we started regular production meetings with our producer and our team of announcers. So my co-commentators, and that really helped getting on the same page. You know, you, you say that I, I I was the expert and and really it was my analyst who was the expert. The person that I was working with was the person that had the the background in the sport. In a lot of cases, was an Olympic athlete, his or herself. And so I really relied on them to get caught up and, and get up to speed on the ins and outs of these sports. It was also great to have tape to watch. I, you know, I was watching World Cup events leading up to the Olympics in these various sports. A lot of it was just broadcast on YouTube. So it was fairly accessible. And then NBC also gives you some clips from their archives, competitions from previous Olympics or or other events in between Olympic years that really helped me learn how the sport was broadcast, not just competed, but broadcast. So in terms of learning the cadence and the call and the kind of the the lingo and the things that you need to say and and how you set up your analyst, you know, there were all those resources kind of served as a, as a, as a confluence of, of help for me to ultimately get up to speed and to the point where I felt confident enough to, to talk about it on the air. And then, and then the broadcast themselves was kind of like the test, you know, you spent two months or whatever studying like you would a college class, reading a lot, watching a lot of video, talking to people. And and then the broadcast themselves was like the presentation. That makes sense. So uh, I guess you just said you felt really confident, but did you also kind of have those nerves just because it was still kind of a different new sport or were you just like as confident as you would be for any broadcast, regardless of how experienced you might be covering, say, a basketball game versus something that's kind of still brand new? Sure. I, I would say it was definitely definitely a, a mix of those things. I, I was I was really excited more than anything. And, and I think adrenaline I de- you know I definitely had an adrenaline rush and I think nerves are, are maybe the other side of that coin so um, but I, I would say mostly just just really excitement you know and I, I could fall back on the fact that I had broadcast many many live events before even though the sport was a little bit different kind of the skeleton or the format that you follow is largely the same in terms of the the fundamentals and the things that you want to do and more than anything you want to you do want to relax and have fun which, which can be a challenge sometimes in a, on a big moment or doing a new sport. But I, I ultimately felt that I was just having a ton of fun with the people that I was with. It was such a bizarre set of circumstances. I mean, we were, we were broadcasting from a remote sound booth literally in the middle of the night because we were broadcasting these events live as they happened in Tokyo. And we were on the East Coast of the United States, which was 13 hours behind Tokyo time. So there kind of all those strange factors that were going into it kind of made me honestly just like relax and just enjoy the the whole process and kind of the oddity of it all. And so um, it was it was just unlike anything that I've ever done professionally. I was curious from the time zone perspective because when I was talking with my friend Ryan, who was like I said over there doing stuff for NBC, and you know it was like I think he I think he uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing. I believe he said it was basically like kind of like being in a cave just inside all this for like two straight weeks, essentially just watching, doing his job, watching these events. So what was it like for you with the time zone and obviously covering events, right, that are like you'd probably be asleep typically based on the you know the way the times are. So what was that like for you? 
it was it was wild basically is kind of kind of the the easy and direct way to say it i mean like i got there and they basically told you i, I got to stanford and, and so yeah 13 hour time difference we were on the east coast of the united states we were 13 hours behind tokyo japan and the the advice that i got was was basically to rip off the band-aid when it came to acclimating to the time change so what was weird is that it wasn't just simply like hopping on a plane and going to a different part of the world where the time zone is different. You know, I I didn't like the time, the time didn't change as far as I was really concerned, I guess, from, from a body clock perspective, but I had to pretend that it did. So it was like a self-imposed jet lag kind of. And so I got in to Stanford, Connecticut the day before the opening ceremony. And we had some basically dress rehearsals brought for, for our, for sports that we were broadcasting. So I had fencing week one. So we had a fencing dress rehearsal the night before the opening ceremony. And we had it in the middle of the night to just kind of get everybody ready for the time schedule that, that was going to be the case for the next two weeks. So that was kind of the moment where the Band-Aid got torn off. And you know I stayed up all night broadcasting mock fencing and, and canoe slalom events. And then opening ceremony happened. And then I went in the following night ready to do it for real. And I was kind of, again, the adrenaline was kicking in still at that point, but I was kind of ready, ready to go at that moment. And and my routine became, I would go into the studio uh, about nine or 10 o'clock at night and then have a production meeting with our team. And then around midnight or so start broadcasting whatever events we had to do that night. And, and, Usually we were done anywhere between six and eight in the morning. And so I would go to co- go to the commissary and grab breakfast, which was really dinner, <laughs> and then go back to the hotel. And, you know, maybe about 10 in the morning, I would pull the curtains and ha- just create a blackout scenario. And, and that was enough to fool my body into being able to sleep until, you know, about five or six o'clock at night and then just got up and did it all over again of the events of all the sports really, but especially the ones that maybe you were covering. Uh, I guess maybe did you develop a new favorite sport or there, was there any sports that you were like, man, I hope I never have to cover that again. Or were you just like, yeah, these are all awesome regardless. Yeah. I think, you know, I, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about, you know, cause like growing up, uh, you want to, you want to, you envision yourself, I guess, being the broadcaster for the sports that you love as a fan. So yeah. I, for me, I was a pretty traditional football, baseball, basketball guy growing up in Wisconsin. Um, but, but all these opportunities have come along the way to, to broadcast, you know, hockey, which has been fantastic broadcast the Olympics. And so I think one thing that I really appreciate about those experiences and have really come to enjoy is just the unique culture and the fan bases that are part of every sport, no matter how much of a national or international profile they may have. And there are devoted fans and, people that have poured their lives and livelihoods into all of these sports. And so I really appreciate getting to kind of tap into that vibe and learn a lot about it. And so to the Olympic sports that I did, I loved them all. I mean, they were all great. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I made, made friends in all three of those sports. Um, You know, whenever I might see a headline or a news article pop up now, it's, it's cool to be able to know a little bit about what's going on in, in those worlds within the sports world as a whole so yeah no regrets and and if if 2024 rolls around and they ask me to do fencing canoe slalom and sport climbing again sign me up 
Yeah, I was, I was curious too if the NHL goes over there, or I guess regardless, really. Um, do you have the Winter Olympic uh, schedule or plans going for, into next year? I don't have Winter Olympic plans right now, and I know we're getting kind of close. Honestly, we're only we're we're about two months out. The the situation is still largely in flux because the games are in China. The U.S. just announced a diplomatic boycott this week, which. I don't know how I don't really know how, how what the ripple effect will be how that will affect the broadcast side of things. So, I know that a lot of things are up in the air, but just from a pure purely mechanical standpoint, there are a lot fewer events for the Winter Olympics than there are for the Summer events for the Summer Olympics. So there's a much there is a smaller workforce and if if I'm sure those discussions are being had at NBC and and they know I'm out there and they know that I'd love to do it and so if the opportunity comes along that, that would be great. My February is still largely unstructured from, from a broadcast work schedule standpoint, but if not, that, you know, there's, that, that's, that's all good. And, and I'll just look forward to the next opportunity whenever and, and if ever that is. Yeah. What was, uh, with 2020, obviously with hardly any, well, you know, with COVID obviously, and, you know, not having, not having many sports happening early on in that year. Uh, what was 2020 like for you? It was, I, I just think it was very disorienting. And I, I think probably the same for, for a lot of other people, for everybody, I think, who, who experienced the pandemic, you know, it all kind of affected everybody in, in a personal way. It was, it was, it was very sudden, um, you know, cause I remember I, I did the, in early March of 2020, I did the big 10 women's basketball tournament down in Indianapolis and, and people were talking about coronavirus at the time everyone knew it was out there and that it was starting to spread but nobody really I, I personally didn't think that it was ever actually going to get to the point where sports was shut down so I had operated under an assumption up until that point that I was in a pretty ironclad industry fans were always going to want to go to live sporting events and watch sports on television or listen on the radio and you know, I was always going to have work basically. And so it was very humbling to realize that you can't take anything for granted. Tomorrow is promised to nobody and that things can change overnight and in the blink of an eye. So I, I had a, a five month period from, from March until late summer when I, when I was really just doing the same thing a lot of people were doing, just waiting and kind of trying to figure out how these decisions were going to unfold about how to resume sports. And in the summer of 2020, I was fortunate enough to do uh, the basketball tournament or TBT, which decided to create a, a prototypical bubble for for their summer tournament. And so that was that was nice to just be able to have a little bit of income, quite frankly, over the summer. But then it, from then on, it was it was okay. Are we going to have college sports? And and the Big Ten was on, and then it was off, and then it was on again. And so. Um, a lot of uncertainty. Fortunately, by the time the Big Ten be, being, a, I, I get a lot of my work from the Big Ten Network. So once the Big Ten Athletic Conference decided to start a football season in late October of 2020, and then have a basketball season start about a month after that, and then play their postponed fall sports in the spring of 2021. Since since late October, early November, I, I've been working pretty regularly, and I'm very, very thankful for that. You are obviously recovering like the Blackhawks, for instance. So was that something that kind of came about? Because I think, that, was this the first year that you've been doing black a little bit of the Blackhawk games? Yes. And and funny enough, that 
conversation started to happen when I was in Stamford, Connecticut over the summer doing the Olympics. I got a call from the Blackhawks and it came out of, came out of left field, which I know is, is a, an analogy to the wrong sport, but it was something that was not on my radar at all. But I was so thankful for the opportunity to get the chance to call Chicago professional sports, which is, which is really, um, you know, a pinnacle in a lot of ways. Chicago is one of the best pro sports towns in the country all five of their of their major pro sports teams and that's not even getting to the Chicago Sky but have have such a deep deep history such a deep relationship with their fans and and have such a tremendous tradition that it it was again I I I'm still very humbled and honored by it to have had the opportunity to to fill in for for Pat Foley and work with Eddie Olchek two legends in the sport of their own and I had done college hockey before, again, doing the Big Ten Network. I, I had done college hockey a good bit, but the NHL was 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 and is just a, a different outfit entirely. So it was similar to the Olympics. I mean, it was, a, it was a crash course in getting to know the NHL and just the history of the team and kind of learning about the Blackhawks, both recent and long-term past, to uh, get to the point where, where I felt I could, you know, Put put out a good broadcast and do what I needed to do to make it as enjoyable of a of a watching experience for the fans. So, um, and the fans were great. Like it, that that was such, that was also super super humbling to just see all all of the sport all of the support from Blackhawks fans and that that was I was self conscious about that just stepping into the to the shoes of a guy who's who's a, a legend in the sport and has been the voice of the Blackhawks for almost forty years. I know what it's like to have announcers that I've listened to my entire life. And um, so it was something that I didn't take, I didn't take lightly and, and to have a lot of just encouragement and, and support and from, from fans. And of course the people in the Blackhawks front office, that was very, very touching to me. And I'll, uh, I'll remember that for a long time. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and I think you saw, I know you saw uh, Patrick Kane score a hat trick. I think it was the first game you did against yeah. the senators, right? <laughs> so that's pretty cool to see and to kind of have that story to go with it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that, that was just, I, I was just shaking my head on the way out of the press box that night thinking like, man, I got to see Patrick Kane and it was the first win of the season. And yeah, I got to see a Patrick Kane hat trick, got to call a Patrick Kane hat trick. So it was, um, it was, it was a tremendous, tremendous experience. And, and the whole week just was kind of like a Blackhawks week, like getting to be around a, a pro team and a, and a Chicago team at that. So it was, um, it was a ton of fun. It, it was just a, a, great, a great experience. Yeah, and, and Eddie Olchek's a guy that I would love to chat with at some point, but uh, I was able to talk with his son, Nick, and he's an awesome broadcaster in his own right, and I, like, I know you've gotten, I know you know him too, and I know he's been doing like, I've been following his Instagram stories. I think he's in a new city like every single day doing something in Chicago, Atlanta, New York, wherever, so it's been fun to kind of follow that journey, but I think he's been doing the radio for the Blackhawks a little bit this year, correct? Yeah, yeah, he's doing he's doing some some analyst work on on WGN on Blackhawks Radio, which is uh, which is tremendous and and yeah, through through Eddie I've gotten to know Nick a little bit as well and um both Nick and Eddie, you know, Nick was just supportive again, incredibly nice of him and then Eddie really just, you know, kind of showed me the ropes of like an NHL broadcast. So very, very indebted to to Eddie for for showing me how it's done and and taking me under his wing and really just um, again showing me the, showing me the ropes of an NHL broadcast. I really appreciated that and and you know you didn't have to do that. I mean, 
he's he's working a, a national schedule. He's called Stanley Cups. I mean, he he's he's why Chicago Blackhawks fans tune tune into local television broadcasts. So, um, you know, he could have he could have just treated it as a, as another game, but but he really wanted to put me in a position to look good and sound good and be successful. And so I was very 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 grateful for that. So you've already accomplished a lot, you know, talking about the Olympics, the NHL, college sports, and you still have, you know, years to go, I'm sure, in the broadcasting biz. But, like, what is something maybe that, like, the NHL is something that you just you just uh, scratched off the, the list? What's, like, another league or moment or game that you maybe aspire to maybe get to do one day? If you, if you had, like, a bucket list type of, uh, you know, item that you wanted to be able to cover? Sure. I mean there's certainly you know there are certainly so many cool experiences out there that that as a sports fan you just kind of dream of um I know being a big I've always been a huge football fan and so to get to call an NFL game would would definitely I think maybe be the next big thing on my bucket list I would love to have the opportunity to broadcast the NFL um but but you know truthfully even even before even before the Blackhawks called over the summer being the being the voice of a pro sports team was something that was was and still is on my radar. So I would say like those are two, I guess, aspirations, career ambitions that I have, you know, to look forward to something that I'm working towards or striving towards. But, um, you know, one thing that I've really learned about my professional journey since I graduated college is that it, it is it is about the journey um, more so than the destination, really. And and you hear a lot of, of big-time athletes mention that same mentality or that same sentiment. I know Kobe Bryant really talked about, like, you got you to gotta love the you got to love the practice. You know, you got to love getting in the gym at 6, 8 o'clock in the morning, getting up shots. You know, you can't just enjoy the, the primetime games, the NBA Finals games. And, and I've really like adapted a lot of that to my own mentality, I think. And I, I've, I've enjoyed just the process of, of doing what I always wanted to do, of getting to meet some really cool people, of getting to follow sports. Um, you know, that's what I'm really happy doing right now. And, and there are a lot of different avenues that, that this path can take me. And I'm kind of cool with whatever happens at this point. So, yeah, it's all good. That's super cool. And uh, I know you've been recognized like 30 under 30, like for successful broadcasters and stuff like that. So I don't know specifically what your age is, but I think we're about the same. I'm 33. I had to think about it for a second, but uh, really cool to see what you've been able to accomplish already. And like I said, I know you have years to go in the broadcasting business and all that. And you're just getting started basically, but you've already done so many awesome things. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I appreciate that again. You know, very, um, you know, very fortunate. And I, again, so I, I've been watching um, the man in the arena, Tom Brady documentary on, on ESPN plus. And, you know, one thing that, that he's said in just about every episode is that look like, you know, there have been a lot of people, he's got a lot of luck and there have been a lot of people that have, that have positioned themselves or dedicated themselves to, to helping him out along the way. And I, I totally feel that in, in my own much more scaled down version of that, you know, I, like I've had a lot of people that have been willing to give me advice to sit down, work with me, help me get better. I've had a lot of luck and, and some good breaks just based on people that I've known along the way. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very, yeah, very thankful for all of that and, and very excited for the future as well. So, you know, excited about the way 2021 is wrapping up, looking forward to 2022 and just, you know, keep, keep plugging and chugging along. 
I was wondering too. You're a, you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, right? Yes, big Milwaukee Bucks fan. Had the chance to go to Game Four of the NBA Finals as a fan, and and just I still I still enjoy being a fan. I, I work more sporting events than I attend as a fan now, but um, I, I still enjoy those moments where I can kind of step back on the other side of the veil and and just be a fan. And that was such a big deal for the city of Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin. I mean, growing up, I, I've been a Bucks fan my entire life, and no one ever really thought I don't think that the Bucks would win a championship um you know certainly Giannis becoming an MVP caliber player made people think that it was a possibility but then when the moment happened it was just like wow I just never thought that I would really see this and get to like say that I you know the NBA championship resides in the town that I that I grew up watching and supporting and growing up around so um, that was a just another another just highlight of highlight of the summer and definitely highlight of my sports fandom. You know that was that was a really really cool deal. That is awesome and yeah, congrats to your Bucks. And who are your other teams like growing up or even now that you might still be a fan of? Well, you know, I mean, I've kind of walked a bit of a tightrope when it comes to this. You know, being in Chicago, but with my Wisconsin ties, you know, I grew up a, a huge Packers, Badgers, Brewers, Bucks fan, which. Um, you know, depending in certain certain circles, I know that will ruffle some feathers. But I, you know, I, I would say that um, while I still enjoy the the cheering for the childhood teams that I rooted for, I I'm really um, you know I, I would say that I'm a I'm a Midwest guy at heart. I, I can certainly understand the fan bases in you know at, at every Big Ten school because you know I feel very connected to the to the heartland of the United States and. I guess, you know, through work, I've, I've enjoyed getting to go to places like Iowa City and, and, and Minneapolis and Columbus and Ann Arbor and, you know, Big Ten schools and I guess kind of learning to, um, you know, not even put our differences aside, but I guess respect the really cool traditions that, that a lot of different sporting organizations, programs, clubs have. So um, I, I would say as I get older, you know, I, I'm I become becoming more of just like a a pan a pan sports fan, just just in general, like appreciating the achievements and the accomplishments of of athletes and student athletes because you start to get a little bit of a better understanding as to how much work they put in. And uh, you know, regardless of what colors they're wearing, I think there's something to celebrate in that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I always wonder with broadcasters, because I know like growing up, like sports is their passion. That's their job. But also I'm like, well, they're probably not so much fans these days that they're covering specific leagues. I'm always curious, but uh, really cool. And so I know you're a Brewers fan, but um, but you're from Chicago. So, you know, the Chicago, you alluded to it. You know, the passion. That's totally. The, and that's, I, and like have nothing, nothing but respect for it. I really like, you know, like I, I went to I went to, you know, a half dozen games at Wrigley Field this past season and, you know, another handful at at guaranteed rate for the Sox games. And so, um, you know, just as a fan, like with Wrigley specifically, that's that's like that is just such an awesome place to watch a baseball game. I mean, you you, you don't even have to be in the stadium. You just have to be on the block and you just feel the tradition and kind of the echoes of, of the past of so, you know, the, the millions of people that have, that have watched baseball games there over the years. So um, yeah, it, it, again, you know, Chicago is a great sports town. It really is. And, and even though I maybe grew up rooting for rival teams in a lot of cases, I still 
really appreciate and, and respect the the pageantry of of Chicago sports. Yeah, I, I need to get back there. I've, I've only been to Chicago a couple times, so I need to get back there. Before I let you go, I don't know if you know him. I was actually <laughs> I was looking I was looking at the at your Twitter and I um just to find any potential nuggets and I I saw the Bucks stuff, but I don't know if you know him. But I saw a guy Daniel Sikowski, who had added you on Twitter just to congratulate you on the Bucks winning the championship back in the summer. First off, does that name ring a bell? Do you know him by any chance? Yeah, I know. I know a Dan. Uh, I know a Dan Sackow. Like from when I so I used to be in um, in Michigan, uh, li- like working for a, a minor league baseball team and doing some local radio. Um, and and I think if I'm thinking of the guy that you're referring to, we we always called him Ski. So yeah, that you know what? Yeah, so I think we're both talking about his son. The, the one that added you was his father. But yeah, I, I knew his son Dan. Because I was an intern with the Green Jackets in Georgia. And, oh, sure, yes. And Dan was down there, and I I know he's not in sports now, but I knew him through that. So when I saw it was his dad that had um, had uh, messaged you or added you on Twitter about the Bucks, but I was like, oh, I know that name, and it was his dad. But I was like, yeah, I think you you probably know them then. What a small world, you know. I so I have not gotten to meet Ski's son because he was yes he was in. Was it Georgia or or South Carolina? Yeah, Augusta. Yeah, he was yeah. there when I when I knew his dad in Michigan. But um, so his like I broadcast like his dad was somewhat of like a like a local high school kind of legend, I guess, for lack of a better term. And he was my analyst on a couple of high school football and basketball broadcasts that I did. So very small world. He actually happens to be a, a big time Chicago sports fan and a huge Notre Dame fan as well. So. Great guy, great family. Definitely had to mention that. I'm definitely going to be shouting out a couple of people now on this podcast when I post this, uh, hopefully soon. <laughs> well, will be soon. But I was like, I have to ask about that in case you did know him. So that's really funny. But uh, yeah, I, I I knew him. I was the media relations intern with the Green Jackets. Dan was uh, previously doing things in sales, I believe, and on the ticket side. And um, anyway, so I got to know him a little bit, but that's awesome. It was really cool to talk with you. And like we were saying, we follow each other on Twitter, but I saw you on TV and I was like, Oh, that'd be cool to chat with him and just get his story and learn about him. So really cool to have the time to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. I I would, uh, I would echo that 100%. And yeah, certainly, you know, just uh, as I kind of, tried to build a you know social media base and and things like that and just my my own personal brand you know always appreciate what you do and and your contributions and your comments on the world of sports and pop culture as a whole so yeah really cool to to be a part of your podcast and and hope that uh, we can do it again sometime yeah definitely i'd love to do it again it's always cool to kind of make connections like this and follow your journey as well so i'll definitely be watching and taking note and you know just seeing what you're doing see what you're able to experience as well going forward so best of luck well thank you i really appreciate that will Three, two, one, zero, zero, and liftoff.